Hayo gozaimasu. It's Zachary Lutici. I'm so popular. And today I am here with a very special guest.、Um, for me to fall in love with music, it takes one of two things, which is one, it has to make me want to lip sync their music and drag, or two, it has to resonate so deeply with my emotions. That I end up framing my life around that music in some ways. So I'm here today with a woman who has done not one, but two of those things.、Uh, who are you? I'm Jessie Lanza, and I'm a musician from Canada originally, but right now I'm living with my in laws in Silicon Valley. Which I wasn't expecting this year, but here I am. And,、um, The reason that I'm talking to you is that I saw on Twitter you posting these questions like, I'm so curious. I just, I want to know. And then I got an email from you, and I was curious too. So that's why I'm here. Yay. <laughs> I, I really can't underestimate、um, just how big of a role your music has had on me.、Uh, I first heard Oh No back in 2016. I think I was a sophomore in college then. and Um, that album has kind of an anxious energy to it and a lot of、um, sort of like nervous tension, I'd say.、Mm-hmm. And it really stuck with me. And when this album came out this year,、uh, it was like the middle of quarantine in late July, right? Yeah, July 24th. Yep. And I will never forget the first time I heard it, which was on the train to Nagoya. And it started raining about halfway through the album. It was like late sunset and it's burned. Uh, all of its aesthetics into my memory of this year now. So I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on.、Oh, that's, that's such a lovely description. I'm really glad that you got to experience the record in a setting that you know, resonated with you. That's really nice. Thank you. I'm so happy to be. I'm so nervous. Honestly, this is the first、oh, time I've ever been nervous on the podcast. Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> But yeah, don't be nervous. <laughs> Okay, so I kind of mentioned that、um, All the Time has turned into an album that I'm positive that when I look back on this year, it's going to be one of the sort of like memory associations I have with how this year happened to me. And I kind of wanted to hear about what music、uh, resonated with like, your memory and what you're going to recall leaving 2020. Yeah, that's a really good. Question I remember the Taylor Swift album came out the same day as mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that so? Yeah, yeah, it is. Her surprise album came out. Wow, on like、day. July 28th or something, then I think it came out on July 24th, like the exact same day. So, oh my god, I'll, I'll remember that, but、uh, more importantly, I'll remember all those band camp. Days. I don't know if you buy music through Bandcamp, but it's. I do. Yeah, and so I'm sure you're familiar with the Bandcamp Friday and all the proceeds going directly to the artists and just seeing how much music people were like just pumping out. Like Friends from New York, like that House of Alter label, which I, I、mm-hmm. has a lot of great music on there. That, that's going to really stick with me for sure. And just the support. That you could, yeah, that was given through Bandcamp in that way. It was really sweet because there's can't connect with anybody through the shows. So, 
Yeah. yeah, Bandcamp yeah. is such an excellent platform. And um, my friend uh, Lucy Liu, she uh, does music through Bandcamp as well. And uh, it's amazing the kind of exposure I can get through those days uh, on like Bandcamp. Bandcamp Fridays, is it? I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Bandcamp Fridays. Yeah, it's a, such an excellent platform. So that yeah. actually kind of leads into the next question I wanted to ask you, which mm-hmm. is uh, 2020 has obviously been a year where the way we tour or share our music and uh, create art has been radically changed. And I wanted to kind of ask how this year has affected um, your relationship with like sharing and creating your art. Hmm. I mean, putting out the record was very weird, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to play any shows. Right. But luckily... My partner is the person who makes all my music videos. And so I was just really lucky to have him to be able to make these music videos with just him and I. You know, yeah. if I hadn't had that, I think it would have been really difficult to share the music visually. You know, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to pull that off on my own. Right. It's, it's so, this year has been so visual, you know, it's like everything has to go up on Instagram it's all about the song and the music video since there's no shows to go see. And yeah, so I feel lucky that um, my partner makes <laughs> visual content. Um, so yeah, that made it easier. But yeah, it, it's just been bizarre. I wonder what next year is going to bring. Yeah, me too. Um, you were touring for, oh no, really hard, weren't you? For like almost like a year or two? Yeah, like a good two years. It was, wow. Yeah, it was a long stretch. It was, yeah, hard to believe now. Really, yeah, I was away a lot. So was that, um for that two years, you were doing nothing but touring? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I was just away. It sounds exhausting. It's like the exact opposite of the situation this year. I know. Yeah, it is. It is exhausting. It's like you really have to... um yeah, have a good group of people to, to travel with. And sometimes I didn't, which was quite lonely, you know? So yeah. Yeah, it's hard being <laughs> away from from home. How long have you been away from the... I've been... I haven't been back for two and a half years now. Wow. Yeah, so I got to see some family last year, but I have been trapped in japan for the whole run of quarantine i was supposed to go back this summer and obviously that didn't happen (laughs) yeah yeah it's tough it's tough to um yeah just be away for long periods of time but what can you do if you're in a nice place so so much of your music is very emotional and personal do you find that it's taxing to share it on like a stage so often like five nights a week like running around the world yeah, that's something I've really like tried to confront this year is like I put a lot of my vulnerability into the music, but I I don't think that means that I'm like comfortable being vulnerable, you know, it's like I was taught from an early age it's like never show that you're vulnerable, you know, cuz it's dangerous, like people might take advantage of you or so that's something I've always kind of wrestled with and this year especially just I put a lot of my vulnerability into the music and but going on stage, yeah, it totally freaks me out. And it, yeah, it's something I'm still not, I, I miss it 
a lot, but it's never comfortable. It's never like something I really look forward to. <laughs> to <be Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what kind of emotional experience is it for you, like performing these songs? Um, it's weird. I, mean, I, I used to not even be able to make eye contact with, yeah. with people in the crowd and not because of them. It was just because I, I don't, I don't really understand fully what it's all about, but I think it has to do with, like you said, like vulnerability. The songs are like, all my music is so much about being vulnerable and like fear of rejection. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know. I haven't come to terms yet with what it means to deliver these songs in public, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that vulnerability and fear of rejection and, I guess to read into your music a little bit from my perspective and why I love it is that you kind of create this emotional sensibility about what it's like to interact with other people that's very high stakes and kind of realizes like the tensions and the vulnerability and fear and knowing the other and having yourself known. Um, And it's in like this really fabulously tightly constructed music that is constantly kind of unfolding and stopping and, um, beginning in new patterns and I think that kind of emotionality is something that gay people love for one um and also something that translates really well to stage even if it's like a difficult thing to see yeah I um yeah I don't know (laughs) (laughs) sorry I guess that wasn't a question I'm just gushing at you (laughs) I'm just happy to hear that you connect with it that means more to me than than anything, than any, like, just yeah. to hear that it resonates with you is like, yeah, that just means the world. So I just appreciate it. Well, it's um, not just me. One of my very good friends, Nick, he has a, a VV violence tattoo on his uh, wrist, I think. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That's he has. <laughs> wow. I know. I said I was like, going to talk to you this week. And he's like, I have a Jesse Lanza tattoo. So. Oh, my goodness. I would love to see a picture of that. That's amazing. Yeah, I'll send you one for sure. Um, Only if he's comfortable. Oh, of course. I'm sure he's a. He's. I'm sure he's hounding to show it off. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I um that kind of vulnerability and that tension is um something that I think I first really noticed when I I listened to Oh No for the first time um from 2016, right? Yeah. 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 Um. And I kind of wanted to ask you about what your uh, emotional process is going into creating music. Like, why do you share what you do? Um, how does this art, like, come from you? Like, what what purpose drives you to make it? Usually, it like, I'll need to channel the song through, like, somebody else's song first. Like, I always find that the music I write is inspired by a song I really love. And then I'll yeah. start to learn that or that or that other person's song will have a specific mood. And then maybe I'll learn the chords and then I'll change the key, change the tempo and then like make, make my own song out of it. Um, but yeah, it's weird because it's like songwriting is like a, it really is like a muscle you have to work every day. And so I just try to show up in my studio and like listen to music. And, and usually that's the jumping off point is another okay great song (laughs) and then you um collaborate with your um jeremy i'm sorry i'm forgetting his last name oh it's fine jeremy greenspan 
Oh, thank you. So you collaborate with him. What's it like bringing your music to another party and then kind of sharing that raw emotionality and then processing it with a second party? Yeah, it's a weird process. And when I was younger, I had a lot of negative experiences working with like other producers and engineers. But when I met Jeremy, yeah. he I've known him my whole life, basically, like he's my best friend's older brother's bandmate. Like I've known him since I was like, <laughs> <laughs> some convoluted. Like anyway, he uh, has been in my life a long time and I feel really comfortable with him. So collaborating with him was the first time I really felt like I'd met somebody I could share things with and feel good yeah. about it. And he's kind of in like the scene of electronic music in Hamilton in Canada. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He has a studio there and he's very devoted to Hamilton. <laughs> and you only left Hamilton um, to go to New York first, right? And then from New York, you went to the West Coast. Yeah, that's exactly wow. right. Yeah, I moved to New York in the beginning of 2017. And then, yeah, we came here in uh, March of this year. Like, right when everything started popping off. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like um, settling into New York after being in Hamilton for so long? It was really weird. I didn't... Um, luckily, I started going to see a therapist at the exact same time. <laughs> <laughs> so like that helped but um yeah to be honest I aside from going to university I'd never really been away from Hamilton um so yeah it was a weird adjustment um but I'm really thankful because I got to meet a lot of people I never would have met and hang out with different people that I had admired from afar and finally got to meet in person and yeah, yeah. it was it was great um how did that affect the songwriting process for your new album? Um, that's a good question. I think just like having the dance music influence is always like if there's something to like um, improvising, keeping in the mistakes, like recording really long sequences, like with a drum machine yeah. or the way that usually like dance music producers would do it so that they're not just like songs, but that they have some experimental parts too. I think that was a big influence from people I met in New York who were more immersed in like dance music rather than songwriting. Right. Yeah. But I find electronic music has had a long role in your music or like electronic dance music um, in terms of like the sampling that's happened on some of your other projects and the general sound I'm kind of curious like what your relationship is with like electronic dance music yeah I think like Arthur Russell's always been such a huge role oh, I love Arthur I Russell know, he's so incredible and he's like such a um a genre hopper you know it's like he did like the early disco stuff but then he has like his folk stuff and I think at the heart of it he really does like his thing was songwriting but I think seeing where like dance music and R&B and like hip hop and how it all kind of overlaps. And yeah. he didn't have any, he didn't have any fear just kind of crossing that boundary all the time. And I've, I've always really admired that about him. He was just such a, such a pioneer in like defying genres and just really thinking about like, what's going to make this song good? Like what's going to make it catchy? Like what's going to be the spirit of the song? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I find a lot of your music reminds me kind of of uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra as well. Oh, nice. I, I love them. They're like, yeah, one of my me favorite too. bands. And in the same way, they kind of um, have a relationship with genre where they're kind of always pushing against it, but then they can make a great song in like any form. Um, I mean, you look at like their early stuff and then compare it with like Naughty Boys or whatever, and you see how they can make a great, well song written pop song, but then they also can kind of push on the genre and do lots of amazing stuff. Yeah. And I find you do the, the same thing as well. Oh, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, they're like my the heroes. They're just amazing. I love how they yeah. like acoustic and electronic instruments. They just do it so well. It's a hard thing to do, I think. It is difficult. Um, how much acoustic music do you use um, in your in your album? I, I found that, um, I don't want to get into the the whole album yet, but there's like a symbol on, um, uh, what is it? I think Baby Love. It's on Baby Love. There's like a symbol there. Is that a real symbol? I've been meaning to ask. I think it is <laughs> like, I think Jeremy had somebody come into the studio like years ago and record a yeah. whole kit, you know? So it's like, I think it's like a sample bank he made of an acoustic drum set. <laughs> like, I don't think it's like, yeah, we didn't have a drummer come in specifically for the song, but that, yeah, I think that's definitely a real symbol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what kind of, how does acoustic music appear in, in your songwriting process? How do uh, instruments come up? Because I know you work with a lot of, you know, synthesizers and what you have lying around, but then when is it that like a instrument enters the picture? Other than, I mean, I haven't had like an upright piano in my possession for a really long time. So it's pretty much just all synthesizers. Like sometimes I'll take my Zoom recorder out and record like people at like the mall or, I mean, yeah, that can't really happen now, but I have done that in the past. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, it is pretty much samples and, and synthesizers. J Jeremy plays guitar a little bit. Mm -hmm. That kind of pops up every now and again, but yeah, not, not too many acoustic instruments these, these days. But then samples also play a huge role as well. Um, yeah. I, and they're not just um, typical stuff. I, I found that you've like used YouTube samples from audio clips and, that as well. When did you get like the inspiration when you hear something and say you want to incorporate it with your music? Um, normally it's when I'm just laying in bed at night and when I start creeping around, you know, on the internet, start <laughs> just coming across things that like make me laugh or kind of freak me out a little bit. Um, I don't know. Some things just, I have a huge drive it's just for samples and yeah a lot of it I never use but some days I'll just spend going through that drive and like you know just picking out stuff that I recorded from the middle of yeah. the night like two years ago that I don't even uh remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so do you find that your recording process is um more experimental or more perfectionist or what is kind of your style when you're writing a song um yeah, I try to not, I used to struggle with like the vocal takes, like how to pick a, a good vocal take. And um, I would waste a lot of time doing that and like weighing like the technical quality versus like the, the emotion of, of the take. And 
on this album on all the time I really tried to keep in a lot of like the the times that I messed up or like keep those imperfections in because I think it makes it sound more interesting yeah more like me I guess yeah did you find um that you kind of had to um work to get your like your voice as you know it now I mean when you listen to your music um more recently does it sound more like the you that you understand like how has your like relationship with your perception of self kind of changed as you've made more music (laughs) sorry that's such a big question (laughs) no no it's just yeah it's I I've never been that comfortable with my voice but I think I've embraced over time that like this is the one that I have and I don't have to sound like anything else I, I think because I come from like a background where my parents put me in voice lessons and like mm-hmm. and it was just like for so long my family and like friends they'd be like when are you gonna try out for Canadian Idol you know and it's just <laughs> like never always kind of smiling and laughing and knowing like that seems like a nightmare to me I would never want to do that um but yeah, this idea of like perfection or like you have to like, I don't know, be like a Disney singer to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be successful, <laughs> which is like such bullshit. But um, yeah, sorry, I strayed from your original. No, no, that's perfect. I mean, uh, I find that this recent album has, um, I mean, your vocals, you still put a lot of processing and filters on them, but your voice seems much uh, more like physically present than I noticed on, oh no, I wonder if I'm reading into it too much. No, no, not at all. It's like a lot clearer. And the mixing, it's like way more upfront for sure. Yeah, you're not yeah. at all. Was it difficult to put your voice more front and center? Yeah, a little bit. I always want to bury it and add yeah. lots of effects to it and make it more washy. And But um, yeah, I think Jeremy, when he mixed the record, he had a vision that he wanted the the vocal to just pop out a little bit more because it's such a, a poppy record. I think he wanted it more front and center, which is, yeah, I just thought I'd be brave. And, yeah. Yeah. And you haven't had the chance to perform a lot of these live yet, have you? No, no, I none at all. <laughs> no, I did one live stream, but that wasn't really, I mean, it was live ish, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so no. Yeah, but I mean, it's uh, very different, I imagine, than actually being in the room with people than just uh, doing it over a live stream. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. (laughs) Have you watched many live streams? I uh, watched all of your DJ sets that you did this year, but that's a... That's diff... That seems like it makes more sense. Yeah, I can't... I don't think I've seen any... I mean, I watched the VMAs out of, you know, kind of a droll interest in pop culture and... Yeah. Um... I just find that there is a, a lacking element in it. It's unfortunate. I know. I agree. I haven't watched any live streams either. It's, yeah. It's, it's hard to get into it. And I mean, I feel that artists have to kind of struggle and push to, you know, do something. And uh, I know a musician I appreciate, Ben Hopkins, does like a weekly Instagram um, performance where he does one or two songs off their new album. And uh Everyone is kind of trying to find their way in this uh, new commercial landscape. What do you predict or imagine it's going to look like as time goes on? 
I think it could go a really bad way, which I hope it doesn't go. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that now that the vaccinations are underway, that there is some hope that, you know, we'll be able to be together in the same yeah. again, because it's, it's sad, like measuring how well your music is doing by the algorithms, you know, it's like, it's just so dark. And I don't think it, it's yeah. truly representative of, you know, it's, it's not real in a sense. So I hope it doesn't go. I hope we're able to like be physically <laughs> present. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I, and I know everybody wants that, you know, but um, yeah, just seeing music only through social media is, it's not, it's not good. I don't think it's good for people's mental health. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of your music writes kind of about like the tension of um, knowing other people, as I mentioned earlier, and and that kind of anxiety that it can produce. And uh, I mean, since you started making music and to the point we're at now, everyone's presence has become only more online and music has become something that is uh, very focused on on streaming. Uh, I find that some of you, like the almost predictions or like the emotional state of some of your early music has like just become more and more true as time goes on and as people are like more divided and we uh have to do everything over zoom <laughs> we can't see anyone in person <laughs> but um i i hope that we can be in live shows again soon but i i kind of fear for the state of people's uh, relationships and kind of the condition of the art of knowing another person and as as this year has unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. Like getting to know people and awkward moments and like being uncomfortable and, you know, or, and then being really comfortable and all of those things that come from being physically there. It's yeah. Well, I think that's a good note to uh, take a quick break here. Yeah, and then when yeah. we come back, we're going to go through every song one by one on your new record. So we're going to take a quick break. Okay. we are back so i'm so excited to do this because um this record has become my favorite of the year and i now i get to go through every song on this album that i deeply love and i want to ask you a little bit about your inspiration kind of what the creative process for each track was but before we get into that i kind of wanted to mention like the general visual direction of the album and like you mentioned you were fortunate enough to have your partner with you in quarantine to be making some of the visuals for the record but in any case uh, I find that this album has a really strong aesthetic eye there's a lot of imagery featuring your van and it all kind of uh, links together with uh, a a very uh, similar sort of palette here and I was curious if the van has anything to do with you having to go between Hamilton and New York when you were collaborating for the project. Yeah, 100% it did. I drove back and forth from Hamilton to New York like once a month while I was making the record. So I spent a lot of time in that van. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of music were you listening to on those drives? I was listening to 
a lot of podcasts. Like I got really into this UK British, like the true crime podcast called um, They Walk Among Us. Amazing. And I was listening to that quite a lot, but um, I also really like that uh, blog. It's called Truance. They have like a mix series on there and I, I would just, or like Beats in Space. I would always like have like six like Beats in Space, like based out of New York City um, episodes, like DJ mixes lined up to listen to. And then yeah. the murder podcast. So I just go back, back and forth <laughs> between those. <laughs> I love it. (laughs) And then after the album was completed, um, that's kind of when quarantine hit and you began to make the transition over to California. And you went by van, didn't you? We drove the van, yeah, from New York. Wow. Yeah. How long did it take you to get there? We dropped our friend off in Amarillo, Texas, which was like pretty much on the way, but that added a bit of time. It was like five days probably okay yeah and i imagine you must have like been able to really kind of see like the onset of apocalypse going through the whole country it was bizarre yeah you said it everything everyone was just confused and yeah things were shutting down like we were staying at hotels and they were just completely empty um right yeah it was bizarre we were really relieved to get here. Uh, one thing that I uh, I found though is that even though that a lot of the visual references for the album are about kind of like this movement and uh, the transportation of your car and um, <laughs> kind of all that movement, it yeah. doesn't um, feel like it's specifically like commenting on quarantine or anything, which I was really happy about. Even though like the video for some of the projects here had to be you know created under I'm sure really harsh uh, quarantine standards and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want, I'm, I mean, I'm sure everybody feels this way. There's like a, like a quarantine fatigue, you know, <laughs> like yeah. every artist, I mean, it's hard, you can't escape it, you know, but yeah, we, we didn't want to make it all like completely obvious that we were doing this in a, in a lockdown. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll get into the songs of the album then. And the, sure. of course, the first track here is anyone around and i read that this is actually the last song you recorded for the project yeah it is yeah it was the last one to sneak in there before we started mixing yeah so um i this song kind of has um kind of like a confident um energy to it a little bit actually even though it has kind of that um like nervous skittling production that is like so amazing in your music it also has a like kind of like a a sort of forward-facing, like, looking outward confidence. What kind of uh, inspired you for the tone of this song? I, so, like, when I left Hamilton, I had gone through, like, a pretty rough breakup, and I think the move to Hamilton to New York, I just felt like such a big mess. And Mm -hmm. I think because this song was, like, the last one to be written, I just it's a song where I was reflecting, but I was realizing like, yeah, I think I'm better than two years ago, which made me feel yeah. good. You know, that at least I could say that was like a bit of an emotional improvement. <laughs> like I felt <laughs> less of a total mess than I had. So I, I think that, yeah, that's really intuitive that you heard that the tone was a bit more confident because I definitely felt better when I wrote yeah. that song. <laughs> 
Um, in terms of sequencing, what made you want to put the kind of that confident note as the opener to the album? I really wanted to like just get it start. Like I just wanted the bass to come in like really strong right at the beginning and, and just have it be something that was really immediate. For people yeah and that bass is so beautiful and deep um oh, it really does kick the whole album off yeah it's yeah i love the bass in that song it's like one of my favorite parts of it what was the creative process for like getting the programming on that bass i think that it is a layer of like a sample and then one of jeremy's rolling synths i can't remember which one it is but it's definitely layered like it's not just one I think it's like a yeah. layered with like uh, some analog synth. I can't remember which one it is, but. Wow, so it has all those pieces on it, which makes sense because it, it really is like a heavy and weighty when you first hear it. So it's interesting that there's a lot of pieces going on to construct that one sound. Totally, yeah. Um, I guess we'll go into the next song, which is uh, kind of one of the lead singles from the project. And uh, um, it's Lick in Heaven. Yeah. And I love this song so dearly. And um, I first heard this and it really gave me kind of that like dizzy sensation of um, getting carried away and just throwing yourself out off the ledge after you uh, kind of notice that you could stop, but then you just keep going. And then I read that the, the song actually kind of references like when you're fighting or quarreling and you catch a moment where you might be able to stop yourself and then you just keep barreling forward anyway. And I could not believe that I could, I, I felt that the first time I heard it. Oh, amazing. I'm happy. To it's really about getting carried away, right? Yeah. And losing control. I think living in that apartment in New York, um, we were so, my partner and I were so living on top of one another and it yeah. really, yeah, it was it was tough and I wasn't used to it and we would just get in these banger fights and I just couldn't even keep track of like how did this get so insane? Like where mm-hmm. <laughs> where did this start? And like not yeah. and a lot of it was me. I would just like kick it into like nuclear gear and the part that scared me is that I couldn't even remember how it happened and so that mm-hmm. that was the inspiration for that song is just like really just yeah losing it a bit yeah and you've said that you like to kind of make a lot of the instrumentals as sort of like a counterpoint to the vocals and that if you're writing a like a darker song you kind of want to create like a sunnier production in in that kind of sense so um what kind of feeling were you shooting for when you started putting down instrumentals for this song just kind of thinking of like a like I've been listening to a lot of Tom Tom Club. Oh and like yeah. I I wanted something that had like a sort of sing songy quality to it that had a sweetness to it and a playfulness to it. Um I think because I'm really self conscious of being too much of a bummer. Like mm-hmm. I don't I think I'm always afraid of being like the person that nobody wants to be around, you know? I think that that's a pretty common fear for people <laughs> in general <laughs> that you're a that you're a bummer that you're a drag you know so i think right. putting that sunniness in the music was a way to yeah balance the what i was really talking about which is that i think i have an anger management problem <laughs> yeah 
Well, I love the tension between the instrumentals and the lyrics because it, um, I think it really enhances the impact of the emotionality when you hear this uh, um, kind of like bright and like you said, kind of like anthemic or it's it's very much a pop song in that way. But it makes that sensation of like going over the edge and, and throwing yourself out there even more like tangible, I think. And you've always done that in your music too. And I, I think about... Um, anything off of Oh No and like the title track from there as well. It always gives me um, a really impressive like feeling of both the lyrics and the music kind of attacking each other at once. It, it's an amazing tension and I don't see a lot of other artists oh, doing thank it. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I have to stop myself from gushing so much or <laughs> it's going to be a monologue. <laughs> uh, and then I wanted to also talk about the music video for this a little bit, which is kind of like um, a, a fictional morning talk show that uh you're playing music on and it is very similar to like ellen when they have the kids get up and dance um but this video i think sees kind of a sinister frightening element in it and uh makes a really beautiful showcase of it yeah yeah that was ellen and like um what's her name megan kelly and like hoda and all those morning yeah show personalities like yeah there's a sunniness to their show that is pretty sinister and we thought yeah. it would be fun to to play around with that and like I didn't even really I think of how uncomfortable it would be to personally to be a part of a morning horrifying show. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> the lighting and the colors and all the smiling and it's yeah it's there's something really strange about it yeah and I think the video really uh, sees it quite right, and it kind of presents it as like this Todd Haynes, like safe kind of a uh, like cultish Absolutely. environment. I love it. I love that. That that is a fantastic movie. I was actually just thinking, I really wanted to rewatch that one. I haven't seen it in a few years. I think it just entered my head again because I rewatched it uh, two weeks ago, and then um, kind of going back over the video, I, I got the same emotional through line oh, there. That means so much to me that you made a connection. That's like, yeah, yeah, that movie's incredible, and it's very uh, timely at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Too. That nervous, like, uh, anxiety just spilling out from health conflicts that may or may not exist in the pain of the outer world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess we'll go on to the next song here, which is Face. Face. Yeah. Face. And I, yeah, I'll kick it off. I think that um, you said that this song was kind of written, inspired by like, watching people's faces on the subway and imagining their inner realities. Yeah, just wondering, like, what people were thinking and... Yeah, just being kind of curious and being a little bit creepy and mm -hmm. um, yeah, just curious, really. I, I think really projecting a lot because like I would be on the subway and like be just really annoyed and not have any reason yeah. to be and wondering if other people felt the same or if they were just checked out or yeah. So that song is just about being, being curious, really. I get irritated in public all the time. I don't know what it is, but I just like look around and I'm wondering what everyone is doing. Like, what are you doing? And uh, I know. <laughs> this song like, puts it into the, a great context for that. And then the video as well was um, one of the the biggest videos from this record and was also kind of produced under like the harsh quarantine standards uh, right at the onset, right? Yeah, yeah. We, that was 
a lot. Yeah. We just bought a bunch of lights off of Amazon and, and tried to do what we, what we could. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, it was just the two of us. And then my partner's mom and sister, like holding flashlights and just trying to help us like film it. It was pretty funny. So the whole project was like four people getting the video done. Yeah. 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 It was wow. Winston and Winston who directed it, like just setting up the lights and, we bought a fog machine that helps quite a bit. Oh yeah, the fog machine that's <laughs> since made many appearances. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that in one of the, like, I think it's the boiler room set or something. Everything we filmed, yeah, that it was like forty bucks that fog machine. It's like a real workhorse. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, uh, what kind of lights were you using? Like just DJ. Like, I don't know, they just, like, would be, like, DJ party, rotating party light or whatever. And, like, you can hook up, hook them up through DMX and then control it through Ableton. Oh, okay. I was finding in them that they uh, have a, a really kind of a David Lynch quality when uh, something gets suddenly cast in a vivid light in this video. And it, it's a little offsetting. I love it. That's, yeah, thank you. There, we weren't quite sure what we were doing, but um, yeah. yeah, you're you're right. It, it was we made face like right at the beginning of it came out like early April or something. So right, yeah. And then the other part of the song um, is that it kind of uses a like a City Girls or Drake sample right at the beginning, and <sighs> I thought that was the most inspired sample I've ever heard because I remember hearing that bit on the Drake record when it came out. And something about that sample got to my emotions and I could not stop thinking about it when it came out. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great sample. It did the same for me. I couldn't stop. I know. There's something really sad about it, isn't there? I know. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. They're weird. How did that sample enter the song? I was just messing around in my studio and like, similar to you, I, the original song, City Girls song, and then the Drake song, like I just was hearing both of them all the time in, yeah. in New York, like, you know, people just driving around in their cars listening to it. And yeah, I just kind of couldn't get it out of my head. And then I decided to sample it. And then it just ended up in, in that song. Wow. So it's kind of like a, a textural, like an environment sound that ended up seeping into the album. Yeah. I had no idea. Pretty cool. much. Yeah. It was just everywhere. That song was really, really, you just couldn't escape it. Yeah, even in Japan, I I just kept getting subjected to it by like a top 40 Spotify charts or whatever. Oh, and uh, something about that sample just like pops out. I really love that you included it on the song. Yeah, um, I thank you. I guess we should move to the next track, which is Badly. And I read that this is your favorite song from the album. Yeah, I like this song a lot. I've, I, I don't usually like listen to my own music, but I, I like listening to this one. Yeah, and this song has a lot of kind of pop sensibility behind it. It kind of reminds me of uh, maybe like Mariah Carey or like some Janet Jackson. It has kind of like the bold structure of a of a pop song here. Yeah, the bridge has a serious like pop R&B song uh, breakdown in it. And there's a lot of ad-libs in this one too. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned um, like kind of like fear of rejection is one of the themes of your music in the in the first half of the episode. And I, I was kind of wondering what kind of rejection or what kind of uh, emotion you're appealing to here, because this reminds me of how I would plead to someone who doesn't want to take me back, honestly, when I was listening. Yeah, totally. It, um, 
I think like not to get too Freudian about <laughs> the song. Oh, by all means, please do. <laughs> but I, I, like I mentioned before, I like, I've been doing psychoanalysis for like a good few years now and just thinking about like, like I grew up with a dad who was kind of an asshole and mm-hmm. I was noticing how like, it was just filtering that dynamic was filtering into all my relationships of just like mm. why is rejection such a go-to emotion for me like why am i so prone to rejection why is rejection the thing that i always want to talk about why is it the thing that i'm like yeah. the most afraid of um and so yeah that this song is just a a reflection on that i find that's probably why your music ends up i'm not sure if you're aware of this but gay men love your music <laughs> i'm very happy to hear that <laughs> it makes me very and it's it's kind of like that torch song quality you know of um fear of rejection and um unrequited love is a domineering theme in the lives of gay men and so uh hearing you approach it with um such earnesty and um these really abstracted and beautiful song structures i think is uh, what has attracted me to so much of your music as well as plenty of other homosexuals. Oh, thank you. Um, it's, yeah, it's, you know, when you don't grow up with it, when you don't grow up with, like, parents in a stable relationship, it, it really, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like you're always chasing it, but you're not quite sure what that stability actually is. Yeah. yeah. And then also, this song has the uh, unique lyrical feature of using the word daddy, which I find so bold. I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> It's it's kind of like a like um in Japanese we say an ng word it's like a no good words and I find that even like the kind of controversial like pop stars are you know they don't even broach the word very often because the connotation can be so serious when you hear it in a song. Uh, did you make like a conscious choice when you were writing, or did it just come out naturally? Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about like the term daddy issues. And like mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, like kind of feminine problems can be just like, oh, she has daddy issues, you know, she, yeah. and from somebody who I think I do have daddy issues, you know, I was kind of doing it in a, in a sarcastic way, but I mean, it's fun, you know, it's kind of sp- it is. spicy to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> very spicy yeah um i guess i should move on to the next song here so i can it won't hold you too long but uh next track is alexander which mm-hmm. i read originally started as a cover of an alexander o'neill song yeah yeah i he's such a great songwriter yeah and this is my favorite song on the album actually oh wow um, the the lyrical bit of would you rather be lonely in the like cold spoken voice with kind of like the rainy sense behind it um immediately just punched me in the gut when i first heard it i'm glad that you like it yeah i like this one too it makes me actually pretty emotional to listen to it me too yeah and this comes um right at kind of the halfway point of the album what were you thinking um in your sequencing when you chose to include this song here um oh in the sequencing you said yeah yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about, I, I, I just felt like from Badly because it had all those like mm, kind of like a lot of delay and reverb on like those uh, ad-lib vocals and then Alexander was pretty dreamy. I, I felt like they fit together well, but um, 
yeah, they just kind of transitioned into each other in a way that I thought sounded right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very nice through line from um, both of those songs together. And then they lead into um, the next track, which is Ice Creamy. Yeah. And I read that this song is um, one of the more difficult ones for you to write on the project. Yeah, it was a bit of a pain, this one. I think I was like pretending that it wasn't about what it was about for a lot. I think it makes me uncomfortable still to say that it's like, when I was touring after Oh No, I just like got really into these pills called um, tramadols, which are kind mm-hmm. of like an op- like they're like a non-opiate like painkiller kind of. Anyway, I was really into taking these tramadols when I was on tour, and it was like not good. And yeah, um, like I'm over it now. But yeah, I guess Ice Creamy is kind of like my song about pills. I guess. Mm -hmm. weird thing to say out loud i don't really like saying it out loud but it oh sorry to force your hand no no you're not forcing my i mean i'm yeah it's it's fine i mean it's fine it's just it's a weird it's a weird song yeah and um this also has um i i noted the tension earlier between like um lick in heaven where it's kind of that sunny instrumental and then the um like more upset or like sinister lyrics and this is definitely a, a show for that i find what was kind of the instrumental process for compiling this song? Yeah, I, Jeremy and I struggled with this one a little bit. He he had the idea to like do the manipulation in the vocal, which I think really helps. Um, yeah. But yeah, we just added a lot of synths, and then it was too busy, and we took stuff away. And but I think it turned out <laughs> in the end. Once he changed the vocal, I think it, I think it feels right. How long did it take you to get this song to the point where you were ready to put it on the record? Probably like working on it back and forth for like a good four months. Wow. Yeah, it took a it took a while for sure. Yeah. What was the song that took you the least amount of time to put on the project and say you were confident in it and it was ready to go? Uh, I think anyone around and face mm. were both pretty quick. Badly, too, was like a song we finished early and that I just felt really good about and didn't change much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you have any um, nerves going into this project or were you nervous about anything in particular when you were starting the creative process for it? Yeah, definitely. Because Jeremy and I used to be together and then we broke up and I left Hamilton and I was thinking, are we going to be able to make this record together? And I wasn't really sure if that was going to happen. Yeah. But, but then it did and it, it worked out. Um, maybe because we weren't li- living in the same small city, you know, that we had some distance, but I was, yeah. had some apprehensions. Like, is this, um, what's the word? Uh, I, I just didn't know if it was going to go through. Yeah. Well, it did. Thank God. Yeah. I'm really happy too. Well, let me get into the next song here before we run out of time. Um, next is uh, Like Fire. And uh, this is such an interesting song to sequence after um, Ice Creamy because it is uh, really like one of the bigger like pop moments of the album, I find. Yeah, it's a pretty immediate song. It's quite catchy. Yeah, I agree. Immediate is a great way to describe it because it has that um, huge kind of like uh, riff right at the beginning of the song that kicks in. Um, what was uh, your 
vision for this track? I think it comes back to Drake again. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I hear so many Drake beats just around me at all times. So uh, that was the inspiration. And then, um, yeah, it was just kind of a breakup song. Pretty, pretty simple. It's amazing how Drake has really filtered into music, isn't it? I don't even particularly like him like all that much, you know, but he he's just so omnipresent. Like it's yeah. hard to escape, you know. Yeah, he's like a deity over music, just like <laughs> hovering above it all and so yeah. it's true. It is true. Unavoidable. Um, let's get into the next song, which is a uh, baby love. And we talked a little bit about this on the first half, but I I love the introduction of that symbol uh, towards the um, midsection that is just so gorgeous and prominent. It always calls my attention and like snaps me into the song. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to have some of that acoustic drum set sound. Yeah. yeah. Who are you emulating with this track? Oh, I I don't know. I don't know that I'm emulating anyone. I, I felt really overwhelmed with like just this unconditional love for my niece who was like a newborn so this is Mm. like a total like just really sweet I don't it's usually hard for me to be really like sincere about my feelings but I think this song is like one of I I tried I tried to be sincere you succeeded thank you (laughs) I, I find that, um you know, so much of your music is kind of like touching on like memory and sentimentality. And then uh, this song is, um maybe it's not the first, but at least as, as far as I've noticed, it's a, a, one of the first to approach it in a context that's kind of like outside of a uh, romantic or familial love in that kind of sense. So I thought it was a really interesting song to hear towards the end of the project. Oh, yeah, thanks. It's yeah, I, I um it's a pretty sentimental song for me, for sure. Yeah. How old is your niece? She's three now. Or oh. two and a half? Yeah, no, no, she's three. She's three. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. Is she in Hamilton then? She is, yeah. So we get to like FaceTime with her every so often, but that's always a bit wild. The joy of a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With a three-year-old. It's like, yeah. <laughs> a little psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then we have um the... Uh, penultimate track on the album, which is uh, Over and Over. Uh, this kind of feels like a climax in a, a lot of ways. Yeah, I I, uh, I, like this song a lot. I think about playing it live all the time and how oh, yeah. how excited I am to be able to do it. Cause oh, that's, that's kind of unusual for you, right? It, a little bit, yeah. And I think like this will be a fun one to play live. I think it has a good yeah. energy to it. Yeah. This has the the quality where, like, towards the very back end of the song, it kind of unfolds into that um, like R and B pop moment. Yeah, totally. Like a like an R and B, like an up tempo kind of R and B song. Yeah. Uh, when did this song come to you in the recording process? I think it was like towards the, not like at the very end, but it was like one of the later songs for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you always know that it would be kind of like? Um, this like linchpin in the album or like it would be kind of a, a important point of the movement from the beginning to end of the project? Um, Jeremy and I argued quite a bit about the track list, like where things mm-hmm. should go. And so the person who runs Hyperdub, he like weighed in on it. And I think he helped us to decide that like that should go 
right before all the time. Like the, it should be, oh. it should be second last. And yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, and then there is the last track on the album, which is All the Time. Uh, and I did I read that this is actually one of the first songs that you finished? It what? Yeah, it was the first song we wrote. And it's wow. Yeah, it's like from 2017, I think the end of 2017. So it's like an older song. Yeah. And uh, this song is has like all of my favorite like Jesse Lanza hallmarks to it, which is like that tension between emotionality and knowing other people. Um, but kind of like the first track, everyone around this also has kind of that like outward facing direction as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm not used to people being able to understand the lyrics, but on this one, you can <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Most part, it's pretty clear. Um, but yeah, I like all the time a lot. It's a, it's a very, um, sentimental one too. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I, I, um, I can just imagine hearing this one live as well. And I'm waiting for the day that I can. Oh yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't wait to, yeah, I took it for granted, you know, <laughs> playing, mm -hmm. <laughs> playing live. It's like, I didn't think it would just stop, but I'm very much looking forward to playing it live too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for this beautiful album. I could talk to you about it forever, and I really appreciate all of the vulnerability you blended me here and on your album. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And then also, you had a a remix EP of this project just come out this month as well. Yeah. Twenty four seven. Yeah. It's so cool. Oh. Thanks. Um. There's a great Food Man track on it too that has the video with your van again. Yeah. Yeah. He's so great. He's an amazing artist. Yeah, he is. I was uh, so delighted to see that collaboration, actually. It warmed my heart. Oh, me too. He, I've been a fan of his music for a long time, so. Yeah, he's so cool. I want to see him. Yeah, hopefully he'll play soon. Yeah. yeah, waiting for something to happen here. I've had so many shows and events canceled. I'm heartbroken this year. Yeah, hopefully not too much longer. Not too much longer. Um, where can people find your music and what's the best way for them to get it? Uh, you can go on jessielanza.com and there's links to all of the recordings there. Or you can go on my Bandcamp or hyperdub.net. Um, my Instagram, just jessielanza. All the links are there. And I'll link all of those in the description of the episode as well. Um, okay. Next week is my season finale. Please join me. And thank you so much for coming on, Jesse Lanza. <laughs> I uh, will remember this day forever. Thank oh, you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, that's all, everybody. Ciao. Mata next.